0: This recording was originally a live conversation which took place at startup nights back in November, 2022.
1: The more and more you go into the problem of animal protein or the effect it has on this planet, mm-hmm. the more you feel the need that you need to find a solution for this. And it needs to be plant-based. And I think if you respect cultural habits and how we eat, it needs to respect what we eat. Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Sylvan.
0: Pascal, a warm well welcome to the Swisspreneur Show. It's so great to meet you here at the Startup Nights in Winterthur. Thanks, Sylvan. Great to be here. You are the co-founder of Planted, a startup making healthy plant-based meat alternatives. And before we talk about your company, I actually want to start with your personal background. You studied business administration, technology management at the University of St. Gallen here in Switzerland, mm-hmm. and you then went on to work for a lot of food industry companies, specifically micro companies. So I'm just wondering what actually drew you to that industry in the first place? Um, maybe fate. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, I What I really wanted to
1: do after my studies um, was to go into industry, to take... Um, products, ABC, apply a process and make something better in the end, right? Yeah. And food is it's fantastic, love it. I mean, my first job was in a bakery of my great uncle over summer and um, always loved food, always loved good food. Um, the, the the whole green mindset, sustainability was, was deep within me for, for a very long time. I founded the Green Liberal Party in Lucerne when I was 21, or I co-founded it, <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> yeah and i thought politics would be able to change the world and i later learned that yes it might uh it just takes too long mm-hmm. and i think um <laughs> that that whole idea of industry right applying processes to goods abc and making something better out of it yeah. we can now do on a on an entrepreneurial scale on an industrial scale to really make this world a better place and solving the protein issue mm-hmm. so
0: It kind of all comes together with Planted, which is fantastic. But then, you know, you worked for other companies, right? Before you started your own venture. Yes. So what went wrong there? Because (laughs) you first tried to tackle the issue on a political level. Then you thought, oh, that takes too long. So I want to go and work in the industry. But then there was a bit side by side, but yes. Okay. I think I always liked working, whether it was for
1: corporates or I worked for a very small private company once in Lucerne. Um, that, that was never the issue, but sometimes things don't go as fast as you think they should. Right. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people feel that way, um, when they work in a, in a, in a corporate job or in an environment where you're not your own boss and you, you want to change things and, and you might not have the support of the people that let you do that. Mm-hmm. And then I think the very simple equation is, uh, take it, change it or leave it. And, right. um, In the end, I I decided to to leave it to start this thing together with Lucas, Chris and Eric um, to start Planted. Um, Like I said, I think it's the
0: culmination of everything that went Mm -hmm. on before. Right. And where does that entrepreneurial drive come from? Did you also have any role models in the family that inspired you to pursue that path? Or was it really the urge to change the world for the better?
1: Not not sure. We're not, we don't have a family business. I mean, great grandfather uh, grandfather was a farmer. I guess that's somewhat of an entrepreneur, right? Not sure, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, um, I think the drive for change was was my personal driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think within our founding group, you'd have our you know executive team members. Now you have different backgrounds. For me personally, no, it wasn't the. The need to be an entrepreneur, but the need to drive
0: change, and I think you can do that as in a fast, in a very fast way as an entrepreneur. Definitely, and so you did because then in 2019 you co-founded Planted together with Eric, Chris, and Lucas, as you mentioned before. Where did the four of you actually meet? How did that happen that you started then a company together? Very different places. Um, Lucas is my cousin, so I met him very early on in life.
1: <laughs> um, I was about three years old, and he was born. And um, Chris and I went to school together in uh, in Zurich, which is a, um, is a small city in, in, in Lucerne. Um, Eric, we met at ETH. He was a he did his PhD together with Lucas. And so I think, yeah, a lot of different backgrounds. And Chris, I went on to study finance in Zurich. I went on to St Gallen. Uh, Lucas, as my cousin, knew knew him because of family, but I wouldn't have known uh a, a phd in food science on, on a that talented level for sure i wouldn't have known that just just like that mm-hmm. so i think it was a lot of maybe fate included or, or luck or uh or the right moment um for for people to come together and say let's let's do this
0: let's use the technology to really change the way we eat protein can you take us back to these early days you know mm-hmm. All different backgrounds, even different locations, I assume, mm-hmm. a- across the German-speaking part of Switzerland. How yeah, did, yeah. Even the US, right? I mean, yeah. How did you then end up to really say, hey, this is now the company that we want to build together? How, how did that happen? Because that wasn't just a thing overnight, I assume. No, it was in the beginning was a, a WhatsApp a
1: question to because if we can build meat from plants in a more natural mm-hmm. and tasty and fibrous way, then the burgers that I... Started eating a lot in the U.S. Um, back then. Um, it was the right moment for Lucas to jump and and, and think of, hey, you know, let's write it down. We wrote a two pager, and a lot of the things that we wrote on this two pager that we wanted to build, we still do. Um, nice. Yeah, <laughs> and then there was a lot of background uh, che- uh, checking. Obviously, the the market, how big can it get? What's the real issue? And the more, and more that's the crazy thing, right? The more, and more you go into the problem of animal protein or the effect it has on this planet, Mm -hmm. the more you feel the need that you need to find a solution for this. And it needs to be plant-based. And I think if you respect cultural habits and how we eat, it needs to respect what we eat. And that's how we
0: decided to make better meat products. Maybe you can give a bit more context there, what is currently wrong with the livestock farming, right? Do do you have... Yeah, I know there are many (laughs) multi-dimensions to that question. If you want to take take a look at it on a very technocratic view, you
1: could say, Jesus, these guys really did a lot of things right because not giving... Uh, a damn about um, environment or animal friendliness, or even workers in that industry, mm-hmm. they've achieved fantastic production ratios, a super efficient supply chain, almost no taxes, no very, very low margins <laughs> for everybody who, who's involved, right? So they really democratized, democratized meat. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that available 50 years ago. Yeah. So if you really take that look, then fantastic, great job. Everybody has meat now in a very cheap manner and it works. But but the effect on the planet is that we're destroying rainforests, that we're getting food that humans could eat into animal stomachs that need up to 25 times more to convert that into animal protein that we then eat. There is that one graph um, where it shows the living um the amount of living mass of, of mammals on this planet. Um and it's as you know, livestock, mm-hmm. wildlife, and humans. Yeah. And livestock is just huge. It's massive. And it's just it's just food for the last circle. Yeah. And 50 years ago it was different. You know, the wildlife circle was the biggest one. Now it's right. by far the livestock circle. Yeah. And it just shows and, and this is a circle that lives 30 days to a few years Mm -hmm. chicken lives about 30 days right cow when it gives milk it lives way two three four years until it's a burger a calf lives nine months so (laughs) jesus it's just yeah the the massive impact it has on this planet um maybe in greenhouse gas emissions that's 14.5 percent of total greenhouse gas emissions are you know, emitted by the um, animal livestock industry. And just to compare it, it's, it's about the same as the whole transportation sector mm-hmm. combined. And Massive. we're talking about yeah. electrifying cars, which is about one to 2% of greenhouse gas emissions. No. It, it's certainly the right <laughs> step, but are we really doing what we can to stop global warming? Are we like, stopping that catastrophe? And I think we're, we're hiding in front of our own plates, no. Because we're so culturally um, engaged to eating that center of plate kind of piece of meat.
0: No. It, it's fascinating what you just shared because it's very efficient on one hand of the process, right? The whole supply chain, the production process, they're super efficient, but very inefficient when you actually think about how do you get protein inside of us humans exactly. to yeah. feed us. Yes. Then it's because a very all inefficient the externalities yeah. that, that cost this planet, they're... well.
1: Yeah, we, we, all, we all pay for them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> with with you know, the wastewater, with antibiotics, and whether it's in the wastewater or in, in the free nature or within the meat that we didn't consume. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just massive implications on, on our planet. And that is the cost is democratized
0: while the meat is just cheaper and cheaper. And goes, yeah. Yeah. So now we see it's a big problem that needs to be addressed and solved. And now, of course, you also see, okay, plant-based protein can be a solution to that. How does that actually compare to the regular, the animal protein? Hey, in terms of greenhouse gas emissions, you
1: mean? um, And our products are between 74% uh, less greenhouse gas emissions for the chicken, for example, up to 86%. Less uh, for the kebab that we're making. But other than, you know, animal proteins doesn't get more efficient. Maybe through breeding mm-hmm. super efficient chickens, you might get you know <laughs> yeah, but, okay. a little bit less ratio of plant protein you put into a chicken for it to grow um but with us we can we can get a lot better we can take less processed raw ingredients to structure it into meat, take different technologies yeah. um and we will get better and better at this and have less impact on the planet whereas
0: Meat stays an ancient technology that, uh, yeah, is by definition not very efficient. And how does it compare to animal protein on a nutrition level? Hey, we try to take all the positive aspects of meat mm-hmm. and cut co- and
1: at least like copy them. So that means that the the whole the energy value, the the protein content, uh, little salt content. Uh, but then we add positive aspects just as fiber content. So you're, you know, nice. it's good for your digestion. Um, so by taking all the positives, leaving away the negatives, and and, and adding additional positives like the the little or less um, impact on on environment and mm. better for your body, better for your health. I think it's
0: uh it's a great mix to make better than meat alternatives. Absolutely, and. While developing your product, of course, you had a broad choice of different options that you could have used for your plant-based protein. So which proteins do you actually use A planted? We decided to go for pea protein, pea fibers, because
1: they're grown locally. They can be grown in Europe. I mean, you can also grow soy in Europe, but it's, uh, I think with soy, it's not, it's not the problem of the plant. It's the problem of the perception, the consumer perception, but you want to take as local as possible protein. So I think pea protein uh, gives a fantastic tasting product in our case. So we stuck with that and it's, it's, it's clean, it's natural. We only use four ingredients for our chicken. Mm -hmm. For the pulled pork that we created, we added a sunflower protein and oat protein to the mix. Um, nice because the sunflower protein is taken out of the, the press cake, basically when you make sunflower oil. So the, the stuff that's left behind is very rich in proteins and it's normally fed to animals (laughs) that then again, use a very bad ratio in creating meat. So we take it directly that waste into, uh, the human nutrition, um, classic circular economy approach. And, um, Yeah. That, that that cleanliness or that, um, those very little natural ingredients mm-hmm. that make the best product was always something that we wanted to to hold to the higher standards.
0: Yeah. And you often see, you know, there is, of course, also a, a huge demand in, in these products these days that you have plant-based alternatives. And very often they sound good at the first sight, but you also have a lot of not-so-healthy or not-so-good yeah. ingredients in there. How can you actually make... The same result happen but actually focus on healthy and on good ingredients
1: i think that's a very important point
0: we often say that
1: it, other manufacturers per se are not not a problem for us and, and it's, it's good to have other other players out there what scares me is bad products because imagine yourself you might be interested in the category or your parents or uncles i don't know somebody that is interested says "Oh, i want to try this yeah grabs yeah a plant-based sausage mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. I, chances are really, really low that you go back in that category and buy something because it frankly tastes horrible. And if you look at the and the ingredients listed, it, it will shock you. You won't know half the stuff that's in there if you're not a scientist. Yeah. And I don't think that's how we win the category. I don't think that's how we nourish people in the future. This is just a cheap way to act, get on the, on the bandwagon, right? And, to us, it's very important to to have a brand that distinguishes our products from other players in the market. To say, "Hey, this is healthy, this is clean, this is natural, this this is good for you and, and your body and, and the planet." Um, so I think there that's where the brand comes in to yeah. give that trust to consumers. Um, yeah, but bad products think uh,
0: that's that's pretty much the obstacle to getting to getting a, a wider range of people into the category and you do that also by having a great taste i used your products myself i love them like i think it's it's really Thanks. the best out there how do you actually develop? Can you talk a bit more about the development process? Because obviously, you wanted to have a meat replacement. So, how far, so, sort of, how yeah. far did you go there to, <laughs> to say, hey, we want to make it taste like meat or have a texture like meat? Or should it be something completely different? What are the trade offs and of the question that you asked yourself there? Uh, yeah,
1: I don't like the term meat replacement. <laughs> I, I We like to make stuff that are products that are better than meat. And mm-hmm. um, what we learned early on is that. Like an art chicken or a pulled pork, and then the original or the nature form um, without the marinades that are very popular with chefs. In, in retail, it's a bit tricky because people go for convenience often and they, they, they take the yeah. pre marinated product. But the original versions, where you as a chef or, or as a private person at home go and cook your own meal with it, mm-hmm. is clearly not an animal taste when you bite into it, you know, the natural form. But you can yeah. have that. You have that canvas in front of you like an artist or like a chef, and you do whatever you would have done with the animal counterpart. So in that way, we leave it up to the consumer to, to decide what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can eat it raw, and then it's clearly not meat. Yeah. Um, or you can take very traditional recipes um, and make them better
0: with planted. Right. Yeah. So you have the, the whole flexibility there.
1: I think that's important, yeah, because uh look we do about half our revenue with food service with chefs um and about the other half with with retail over the whole company and uh, it is important to give especially our food service customers, but I think more more retail customers the that that possibility to do do hey what whatever you wish to do to your say historical
0: protein choice yeah. right. Talking about go-to-market, you just mentioned half-half, selling to to chefs or to professional Mm -hmm. cooks, and the other one to retail customers, basically. How did you decide and come up with that go-to-market strategy? Was it always that way from the beginning?
1: It used to be very much uh, focused on food service, and it's still that way when we enter new markets. We try to find um, lighthouses or great restaurants or if it's even like the that, that greatest tasting bar on, on the block, let's say in Berlin, mm-hmm. right? You want, uh, you want partners that celebrate food and that are known to have great food. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the best case, they take an, an animal menu off and replace it with, with planted. So we make direct impact yep. uh, with consumers. And then you need these partners to be successful with the products that you're offering with them. Because our brand is on the menu, right? Sure. If, if you eat it in a restaurant and it doesn't taste great, hmm? yeah. <laughs> it's, it's worse than if you eat animal chicken and it doesn't taste great, then you're like, oh, the chef sucks and I'll, I'll try it again next time right. at a different restaurant. With Planted, that that needs to be a great um, application or, you know, great menu. So we want our partners to be successful. That's, that's very important. Um, also because then that, you can use these partners, these lighthouses, to to shine onto the brand, onto our growth, onto other channels. Um, and and when we when I say we start, we love to start with food service. It obviously wasn't always that easy during COVID to start yeah. in food service in in, in Germany. So we yeah. did it about the same time as, as, as Erika. We uh, started to work with uh, restaurants in the region. In the meantime, we worked with Borchardt, for example, the greatest schnitzel house in Berlin, or Fiegelmüller, nice. the same one in, in Vienna, right? Yeah. Uh, but also Europa Park um, <laughs> uses planted, and, mm-hmm. or Deutsche Bahn on the board, on, on the bistro. Yep. Um, when he travel through through Germany by train. And I think it's very much about that mix, about the touching consumers at various places around his daily life. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're so much in contact with, with protein choices, you might not realize it, but... If if you you seem like you 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 uh, you're interested in nutrition, but um other you know people who might not be that interested, they sometimes don't even realize mm-hmm. when they eat animal meat. They're like, oh, right. I just ate a pizza for lunch. Well, yeah. there was a little piggy on top of it, wasn't there? Exactly. But yeah, most people don't re- seem to realize that, and, yeah. and we want to touch people wherever they eat protein,
0: mm-hmm. and. Your brand seems to be the the key factor there to really also build sort of a USP in the market that people know your brand besides of course your outstanding product. Mm-hmm. Is that sort of the long term investment that you're making to say this is your strategy to not only stay relevant with the product but to also stay relevant in the future with a strong brand? I think it people trust brands, right?
1: you if it's trustworthy and <laughs> we, we very much try to be that brand that people trust and and people think trust us to make not only great tasting but very clean products um, and, and and not just products that are good for the environment for the animals but are overall a great solution for the protein issue mm-hmm. um, whether in five to ten years the brand will be on every product that we make I don't know honestly we want to make impact yeah. by creating great tasting proteins mm-hmm. um, so we scale technology whether you know, this category always stays branded, or whether the category like it goes into a more commoditized market, I honestly don't know. But I wouldn't say, don't know if it matters that much because if you want to make a difference, you need to get to scale. And one way or another, you're going to find a way to, to monetize that. Yeah.
0: Because one thing that is really obvious is if, you see a planted product, it's often listed as a planted product on the menu, Mm -hmm. which is not the case for many other alternative. It's just like a veggie burger or whatever they call it, right? Mm -hmm. But if they use your protein, it's often branded on the menu. That's quite special. Obviously it's important to us
1: that they branded, but I think by having that strong brand that stands out to competition, to Mm -hmm. other products out there that are readily available, the restaurant itself can differentiate it, them from others, you yeah. know, around that, that don't use Planted maybe. Um, so, and by having that, that, that Planted logo on the menu or the name, mm-hmm. um, you, you celebrate that trust more. Right. I feel like that, that's important. And, and by making each and one, each and every touch point uh, successful, when I talk to you as a new restaurant, I would have tons of examples how we made your neighbor successful by
0: having the name on the menu. Um, So it's a win-win in the end. I think you need to create that, yeah. Yeah. And did you actively push for that, that they put the brand on the menu? Or is that something that happened more organically without having a master plan? No, no, this is important to us from the beginning. So it was a very conscious decision. Was it easy to convince them early on? Because I imagine, you know, when you're just starting out, many people might be a bit more defensive, say, yeah, you're just a young startup, yeah. we don't trust you yet. Was that a challenge in the beginning? Yeah, there's always discussions.
1: <laughs> 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 no, but I wouldn't say this is the make or break, honestly. Yeah. I, I feel like if you have enough arguments to to tell the partner you're going to be more successful... If you say it's planted chicken, and and honestly, by saying it's planted chicken or planted pulled or Mm -hmm. planted kebab, it's very clear that this is not meat. So you you don't even have to go above and beyond, say, vegan, whatever. So I I think the brand itself creates a lot of value. uh, And uh, if you make
0: that argument good enough, and maybe you need a bit of history for it, then then you create win-wins how was that with retailers the other important revenue stream for you because there it's a very competitive game right to get Mm -hmm. shelf space also if you're starting out you're you're not that well known yet you you don't have the track record yet how did you land your first shelf spaces was it mainly based on the new product that was just better than anything else out there or how do you get yeah i think it was very much the best product um and and uh the reach out
1: came from from retail because they tried it or heard about it on, on in food service in that channel or in on yeah. online shop We so, <laughs> we see when an, an, a retailer orders to their uh to their main office to try our product right yeah. you, you see that in the web shop and um, not not that they get anything different than everybody
0: else but it's uh yeah you know when to expect an email <laughs> absolutely and I'm also interested in the business case behind it. Um, how does it compare, you know, in terms of maybe margins or also, you know, the distribution space, logistics, et cetera, is your product also more attractive from a business perspective for retailers and also food services to use than other alternatives? Because maybe they have lower costs getting that from you mm-hmm. compared to animal-based protein. That must be the goal, right? And in Switzerland, we get there. Um,
1: In Switzerland, we are cheaper than the local chicken, pulled pork, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Worldwide, it seems it's a bit tougher, obviously. There's a lot of... Deregulation in the meat market that is not so friendly on the alternative market or the plant-based
0: market, especially Germany, for example. I can imagine. Yeah, that, right?
1: or the whole European Union has okay. the free trade with with uh, Brazilian chicken, for example, right? Right. Um. So you, yeah, you have that world price. However, that that increased 45 percent, I believe, uh, chicken, um, by by the pound, um, this year only due well, to you know higher raw material costs and energy costs, and that hits the animal market much stronger than does. Us, of course. who actually were able to, to lower cocks this year, um, thanks to producing at scale mm-hmm. and, and more automated. But there's a few arguments, right? For example, when you cook planted, um, you're not losing water. And, and have you ever, I don't know, if you ever cooked like, um, especially I think, let's go for Germany, especially in Germany. Uh, meat is known to have a bit more water okay. inside than... Yeah. than, than, than other markets um and you lose that as a chef right so yeah. if you as a chef you want to calculate what that menu cost you you right. put 100 grams of brazilian chicken inside mm. that you end up with about 80 well, and with planted yeah. you end up with the same or yeah. maybe a bit more if you add a little uh, water marinade right to it um so I, I, that is, is an argument that that really works in sales right mm. um in, in the end, it counts what you offer the consumer, not what you bought.
0: Sure. And if it just yeah. evaporates in your pan, then um, you're lost. But even there, it's a, you are very competitive when it comes to the margins and the pricing. You can compete with the other things out there in the market. Our goal is clearly to be cheaper no. than the regular animal meat.
1: And Soonish. Soonish, okay. depends Really depends yeah. a bit on how bad
0: let's say yeah. the raw material crisis will continue sure and in that regard you still do your production here in switzerland close to mm-hmm. vintetur in Kempthal. Exactly. is that a disadvantage for you in terms of of costs uh, or do the you know economies of scale outweigh these these costs
1: hmm i
0: think when we started a lot of people or not a lot but this, some early advisors or people that were
1: trying to advise were saying yeah, yeah, yeah to build the production, you go to Poland, you go to Eastern Europe or, right. you know, Germany and um, look at the labor cost here in Switzerland. And I often say, look, when we moved from production from ETH to, to Chemtel, mm-hmm. we produced about one and a half tons a day um, to, wow. to deliver into the channels that we had back then mm-hmm. or the customers that we had and we were about 40 people in production, including us were yeah. lunchtime. We just produced as much as we could. Um, in the meantime, there's a State of the art automated line in Kemptal that everybody can come, you know, visit um, when you when you want to have lunch or dinner at our restaurant and or just a beer. Um, we, we built a glass house around production. That's why I say everybody can come and visit and, and nice. see how we make that 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 better than meat um, products. Um, when we started, we were forty people in production. Now we're still around forty people in production producing over 10 tons a day Wow! so you see how the scale okay. helps us and automation in production helps us to decrease the cost and it's not just that it's obviously raw material also um and and look it's our home we all live in switzerland we we uh, we built this this line these two lines here in chemtal in, in switzerland how would we want to do that and scale it as fast in in another market just mm-hmm. because of labor cost i think yeah. yeah. And it's super unsustainable to produce somewhere where you don't sell. Like we, we right. export now s- over 50% of the products that we make here in Switzerland. Yeah. goes into uh, our export markets. And our goal must be to produce locally
0: there, right? right. We, we just need to <laughs> build our first production now outside of Switzerland. So that's probably one of the next steps that will come very soon.
1: Yeah, we want to use that Series B funding round for um, upscaling production on mm-hmm. the product development engineering side to uh, get the processes right, to, to make the, the chicken breast our newest innovation on scale. Nice. Um, you know, we use some money, obviously, to get more production footprint mm-hmm. in markets where we're active and then also scale our, um, our marketing and commercial operations to, to reach more people.
0: Nice. And talk about international expansion, how do you actually tackle a new market? How do you launch there with everything that you've learned in Switzerland and, you know, the business running well here? How do you go into a new market? What's your strategy there? Oh, I think every market is a little bit different. And mm-hmm. we also had to learn that one. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> we, we try to go in and, and find customers that, that love food as much as we do, that, stand with their name for great food. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said before, certain restaurants or, or, or retail customers, even that, that stand for a bit of a better quality of food stand for a love of food um, that, that partner with us to launch in that market. And then we, I mean, we have co-working spaces, offices and, and, and all these, these markets with local, people that, that work with us locally. Um, and, and we as a team, as a, as a global company, we come together twice a year to yeah, to, to get, get together, work on culture, work on strategy, uh, update on strategy, and
0: then also celebrate a bit. How do you decide what you do in the local markets and what you keep in Switzerland? Uh, ongoing discussion that I don't think um,
1: ever... <laughs> We, we try to do the backbone in Switzerland, mm-hmm. but as soon as you grow, or let's say that the help for the local markets to be as, as efficient as possible, whether that's uh, the brand, the, the first marketing steps, channel um, expertise, we try to build that uh, globally mm-hmm. and then roll out. And at some point, markets are mature enough to, to do that themselves. Okay. Certainly not the global brand, certainly not stru- uh, values that we adhere as a company, as mm-hmm. Um, certain values we we obviously want to keep global, but um, yeah, the, the the more you grow into a local market, I think the more you have a chance to to localize a bit, maybe some assets. Yeah.
0: In in that regard, from your experience, I'm just curious. You know, is, is there something that always comes first, like sales, for example, in in local markets? Is that something that you sort of have to do locally compared to? a global sales channel that you can build from Switzerland? Or is there always a, this is the first thing that you do when you enter a local market and start to, to localize things, basically.
1: You can, you can work with distributors um, to enter new markets. You can help those distributors out maybe with a local team. Mm -hmm. I think there's various strategies, honestly. Um, We, when we went to Germany, it was pretty clear that we needed a local team. Um, Austria at first, we, did through the German organization. We thought yeah. actually that we're gonna do everything with the German organization, the whole Europe. Had to learn the hard way that <laughs> we need to build more companies than that. Um, yeah. So certain ground structures you need in each country, but yeah. I think the more you can do globally or the more help you can give each market globally, the the more effective people can also
0: work with customers on the ground. Right. And I also wonder, you mentioned before you were still going into the production uh, over lunch break and produced, planted yourself. Mm -hmm. How has your role as a founder shifted over the years now? I still try to go in production. I think my next shift is in December.
1: Nice. Um, (laughs) It's good good to see what Lucas built again. Um, (laughs) And and how, uh, yeah, how our newest... uh, Chicken and pulled pork. Our newest products are made. Mm-hmm. Um, but the role base, honestly, it changes quite fast. I wanted to say every every six months or so, you have to redo basically your job descriptions if you ever had one. Yep, <laughs> there are certain things that will need your involvement. Um, maybe certain customers want that. Maybe certain new partners will want that. Maybe, um... <laughs> yeah, but it, it's... <laughs> you work on with your team um, to, to find the best solutions for the company and and yeah I think sometimes that that also can hurt a bit right when you're like I really like to do this but no it makes sense for the whole company that we structure this team in a, in a, in a, in a better way in a more mm-hmm. efficient way um, we get more automation in that way and more um, care of a certain aspect of that business because you obviously can't do it all and you're certainly like, not the best at it. I'm not so um yeah, it's more specialized, it's more maybe um at least that's when we're trying um, to 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 fly at a certain level to to coach better. Mm-hmm.
0: not not sure if it's always working in, in the best in the best way. you, you try, right? to, yeah, to think, do the best job possible say how, how does your job description today in November 2022 look like, or your your typical day if there's such a thing? Um, good question. I
1: don't think there is a typical day, but um, it in, involves uh, too many events right now. I need to cut <laughs> down on that a bit. I um, would love yeah. to involve more customer work, mm-hmm. um, which it does, but I think it could do more. Well,
0: um, what would you like to do there specifically?
1: I think understand their issue and create perfect solutions for our customers um, in the protein space. Yeah. Because more and more we want to understand the protein issue of our customer. And often it's an animal-based protein that they're mm-hmm. having not, maybe not even an issue with, but they see, oh, this is getting too expensive, or this menu is maybe not the perfect one for a certain group. Like, let th- let's let solve that for you. Oh. And uh, isn't uh, that, to me, is, is a,
0: um, a fantastic challenge I would love to spend more time on. Mm-hmm. And if you look at where you stand today, you're close to your 70 million Series B fundraising round. You already mentioned what you want to use the money for. Do you also have any new products planned? You know, maybe an egg alternative one day, for example. (laughs) I think we're really good at making fibers, um, Mm -hmm.
1: textures. So never say never but we're focusing on getting great tasting bigger pieces of of meat out there that that are fibrous so the the chicken breast that i mentioned before that is currently available in in two restaurants one in paris one in berlin um it's game-changing it's just it's better than any chicken breast you'll you'll ever have from an animal it's um it's it's juicy it has these intertwined fibers that are so typical for for chicken and it's it's just better for you and the planet and we'll make it cheaper too so um, I'm getting hungry and excited Yeah, now. that's the fantastic <laughs> that, this is a product is going to be game changing so um, anything that is in, in bigger pieces that has maybe more complexity to it um, is a challenge for us on the technology side and this is something that we want to bring to market with great taste right not yeah. just call something a steak because it's
0: red and then it has 20 ingredients and is actually yeah. a bread. Right. You also have obviously investors on board, right? So Mm -hmm. investors at one point in time, they also want to see a return on their investment. But what is your strategy there? Do you plan to do an IPO one day to get as big of a company as possible to be a publicly traded company? Or do you want to be, uh, you know, an exit and be acquired by a company uh, one day? What is your strategy there when it comes to the exit?
1: Hmm. Not sure. I have a vision. I think we want to build a great ever—not not everlasting. We want to want to build a solution for the protein issue mm-hmm. first and foremost. Um. Then we will obviously look at the capital markets to see where we find the money and the best way to to keep us on that growth path. Um. Maybe one day that is the public market. Maybe maybe it keeps being private. I'm I'm not sure. Um. Obviously, we are realistic about. The business case we want to build very healthy gross margins on the products mm-hmm. because it needs to be sustainable one day um, economically. I think the times now with the, the interest rate spikes shows that pretty pretty good also to other companies in the market. Um, so we the, the 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 drive to lower our cost is not just to reach more people, but it's also obviously to um, yeah, to, to make a healthy march and to mm-hmm. sustain that growth, maybe on our own one day.
0: Yeah. So also sustainability on a company level when it comes to sustaining your business on yeah, your own. I think otherwise you're not a sustainable business, right?
1: Um, yeah. It might be a foundation or something.
0: Exactly. Pascal, to wrap up the conversation, we have some rapid-fire questions for you. So I either give you a short question or different options to choose from, and you have to answer in one sentence. In one sentence, all right. You ready? Yep. What's your favorite planted product? It's pulled pork. It's super versatile. Nice. How many hours of sleep did you get last night? Bad example. Only four. I mean, all these events, you told, it, said it before, yeah, right? Yeah, it was a bit too, too much of BOD prep. What's your plant milk of choice if any oh um there's mostly only oatly in my fridge nice how do you relax and recover Uh, i want to say sports but it doesn't happen
1: too regular (laughs) what what sports uh i like running nice Uh, there's a nice forest next to my house um Yeah, or or
0: a good meal uh, together with friends and family. I I like that too. Perfect. And the last one for you today. What meat dish are you most excited to be able to recreate with Planted one day?
1: Hmm. Depends on the mood, but I think the sausage is going to be a game changer for reaching like that everyday barbecue moment,
0: stadium moment, that. It's not not too far in the future. I already see planted dominating the US market. There's a lot of sausage in Germany in Switzerland (laughs) too. Fair point, fair point. Pascal, thank you so much for stopping by. All the best and lots of success. And thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, Silvan. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, you can support us by
1: rating our show on Apple Podcasts. This way, we can reach an ever-growing number of aspiring entrepreneurs.